0: الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى الصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فاذكروني أذكركم واشكروني ولا تكفرون قال تعالى قال فبما أغويتني لأقعدن لهم صراطك المستقيم ثم لآتينهم من بين أيديهم ومن خلفهم وعن أيمانهم وعن شمائلهم ولا تجد أكثرهم شاكرين. وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم انظروا إلى من هو أسفل منكم ولا تنظروا إلى من هو فوقكم فهو أجدر أن لا تزدروا نعمة الله عليكم اَوْ كَمَا قَالَ النبي صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ respected oh, mothers and
1: sisters, Allah, <coughs> out of His grace and mercy, has created excuses for His bandas for His servants, to keep coming back to Him. In this dunya, in this life, that we get involved in, in terms of the day-to-day things of Our day to day life, the occupations, the engagements of day and night, we sometimes tend to forget what our destination is, what our direction is. While the belief is there that we are all headed to the Akhirat, we are all on a journey. We will one day, and Allah knows best how soon, it could be any time, it could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be sometime later. But one day, every person is going to be leaving this dunya and moving on in the journey to the Qabr, and thereafter the day of Qiyamah, when we will have to answer for our deeds. So The belief, alhamdulillah, every mu'min has this. But in practical life, sometimes it appears as if we have forgotten what our direction is, where we are headed to, what we are doing, and therefore Allah Taala, out of His grace and mercy, has created many excuses for us to come back to Him. This is the love that Allah Ta'ala has for us. Out of His grace, for example, this time that we are currently passing, the 10 days of Zul Hijjah, which are extremely auspicious days, this is a time for us to refocus. One is to take the benefit of the virtues of these Mubarak days, which we would have been enlightened on. Each day, the fast of each of these 9 days fast, equivalent to the fast of one year, each night's Ibadat equivalent to the Ibadat of Laylatul Qadr, the 9th of Zulhijjah, the day of Arafah which in our situation will be on Sunday, fasting on that day, this is a compensation for the sins of the past year and forthcoming year, the minor sins. And then in one hadith, Nabi Wasallam says that there is no action, no single action that a person can do in any other time of the year, besides Ramadan of course any other action or any action in any other part of the year which can come anywhere close to the reward of that same action performed or any action performed in these 10 days. So can we imagine what a tremendously great time this is. So one is to try and take the maximum benefit from this time. Engage ourselves in some tilawat, some zikr, some dua, tasbihat, nafil salah. In other words, over and above the norm, whatever we are doing to try and increase it in these days, and then together with that, to be sitting and reflecting. Unfortunately, this reflection is something that we neglect. Whereas this reflection is a very, very important thing. Alhamdulillah, we have gathered to discuss something about Deen. For the next forty five minutes, fifty minutes, an hour at the most, there will be some discussion about Deen. We will be talking about some ayat of the Quran Sharif. We'll be talking about some ahadith, we'll be talking about things that will affect us in dunya and akhirat. Alhamdulillah, this is also a great ni'mad and a bounty from Allah Ta'ala. Currently, as we are speaking, as we are listening, Allah Ta'ala give us the sincerity in whatever we are engaged in, speaking or listening, that this too is an ibadat. This too is a means of getting the closeness of Allah Ta'ala. So, Alhamdulillah, this itself is a very great virtue. It's something very rewarding. But after we have spoken, after we have heard, what generally happens is that we then, we perhaps sometimes might discuss whatever was heard for an hour or two, somebody we met, somebody we, maybe we will go home and might mention it to somebody or maybe mention it to nobody and then by the next day everything is gone. By the next day there is a very, very vague, some recollection of what was discussed maybe and that's it. Thereafter it's all back to normal as we call it, and that's the end of the story. Whereas this should not be the case. And why does this happen in that manner? That in a very short while everything is then cleaned out and cleared out, illa it is because one vital thing doesn't take place. What is the vital thing? When a person eats something, so mashallah the person is eating, he's chewing the food, then is swallowing it and then on top of that he has probably eaten certain things which might be very healthy also. So all these things are an important part of the process for his nourishment. But after all that food was consumed, the very important thing is that the digestive system has to now do his job. Merely consuming, eating, chewing. And putting it down into the belly is not the end of the job. That's a very, very important part of it. But the next step and the next part of the process, which is the digestion, if the digestive system doesn't do its job, then all the time spent, all the money spent, now a person took so much of effort to prepare that food. And that food was, mashallah, presented in such a wonderful way. There was so much of cost involved in it. Sometimes a person has gone out of his way to go and buy it from some far off place. And then the lady of the house took so much of time and effort to prepare it. And then it was all so much of pain was taken to present it in a very, very presentable way, attractive way. MashaAllah all that was done. Now, after all that was done, if this digestive, then the person took the time to come, to surround, to eat, to chew the food, to swallow it. But now if this digestive system, which works very silently... There's no noise about it. Going to buy it and eat it and cook it and all these things has a lot of hustle and bustle. It has a lot of uh, sometimes sound and fury. This digestion very very silent. Nobody can know what's going on. But if this digestion doesn't take place, if this digestive system doesn't do its job, all whatever happened prior to that just gets by the way. It's all finished and gone without any benefit. So while all this was necessary, but the crucial part was the digestion. And now that the digestion has taken place, which happens very silently, now the nourishment goes into every vein of the body. Every pore is nourished. Every hair is nourished. And the entire body benefits from what went into the stomach. So what is the thing that caused this next step to happen and transform all the effort that was made into something beneficial was his digestion. So likewise, the ruhani meal that we have, the spiritual meal that we have, in the terms of dini discourse, talks, some talim that takes place, whether it is a that takes place for the men in the masjid, the talim that takes place in the home for the, with the families, whether it is some whatever nasihat somebody has given us, so all these things, this is the ruhani meal, the spiritual meal. But the spiritual meal there's one very vital thing for it to become nourishment. And that is the digestion of it. And how, what is the digestive system of this spiritual meal? The digestive system of that is reflection. That just as the digestion in the body works very silently having heard some talk of deen, having heard some nasihat, or sat down in the talim, etc., then a person takes even sometimes just a few minutes. The talk was maybe a whole hour long. but We took two, three minutes to sit down quietly and reflect and ponder what was said, what of this applies to me, what am I lacking that I need to improve on, what should I be correcting in my life, now this is very very simple pondering in this way, but the simple pondering is a digestion. And what was not achieved at that point in time, much is achieved, but the extent to which was not achieved in that entire duration of that one hour, that now will be achieved in that few minutes of reflection and pondering over what was heard in one hour. So this is a very crucial thing which we unfortunately neglect. And what we should start doing as a standard practice after having heard any nasihat, having sat in any talim, having been listening to any talk or discourse from the authentic ulama-i kiram, etc. So the thing to do is this reflection, this fikr, and this reflection in the correct manner. So inshallah, with the fazl of Allah, Taala, with his tawfiq, we'll be discussing certain things. The crucial thing is, after the discussion is over sometime in the course of this afternoon, or later this evening, to give ourselves 2-3 minutes, but the 2-3 minutes to very very uh, deeply reflect upon what the discussion was all about, what have we decided to do about what we have heard, what uh, convictions we have now brought into our hearts, what resolutions we have made, and inshallah we will see how this will become a catalyst to move forward. So in any case, the first thing that we discussed was already, that the virtues of this part of the time that we are passing, these first ten days of Zulhijjah, which we were, would have heard in many other nasihats that were given to us perhaps previously. So the thing is now, how much effort have we made to try and maximize the rewards and the benefits and bounties of these days. The day of Arafah will come, there is so much to do on that day, so much to gain on that day then the night of Eid will come. The night of Eid, this is a very great night. Unfortunately, this is often just wild away, but in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Salasam says that the person who will keep the night of Eid alive, meaning the person who will make ibadat on the night of Eid, that that person's heart will stay alive on the day when hearts will die. One meaning of this is, that on the day of Qiyamah, when people's hearts will die due to the difficulty of that day, meaning they will be totally bewildered, they will not have any composure, they will be like people who are insane perhaps, but Allah Ta'ala will keep some people's hearts alive, meaning they will be composed, they will be at peace. And another meaning of this which the muhaddisin have explained is, that when hearts will die, meaning when they will become, when they will be overcome by fitna, when fitnas will engulf that heart, as a result, that heart will now be deviated. So in times of fitna, when many people's hearts will become deviated, Allah Ta'ala will keep this person's heart alive, meaning will be keep him safe from fitna. What a tremendously great thing this is. And especially the times that we are living in, we know full well what are the fitnas surrounding us in every direction. So we cannot make ibadat the whole night, half the night, quarter the night, put half an hour, one hour. We could be doing something, wake up a little earlier than normal, make two rakats, four rakats, the hajjud sada, du'a, engage in earnest du'a at that time, begging Allah ta'ala for ourselves, for our families, for the entire ummah. So this little bit effort, this little bit pain that we will take will bring tremendous gain. There is no gain without pain. This is generally the principle and in the system of gaining for the akhirat, When for the little gain of dunya, we take so much of pain, for the gain of akhirat, obviously we'll have to take some pain for that as well, some mujahada, some striving. So in any case, this is something to look forward towards, to take the full advantage of this Mubarak time and to acquire the maximum. And as we mentioned, this aspect of reflection, one is reflection in terms of something we have heard, some nasihat. But this is also something to do in these days. Allah Ta'ala is giving us this excuse to come back to Him. That I have made this such a Mubarak time, such Mubarak nights. My servants will now stop and take stock. That I need to repent. I need to come back to Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is showering down His mercy. Where my life is going? Which direction am I heading in? What have I made my object of life? Is my object and purpose of life merely just adorning the dunya, merely just acquiring the best of dunya, just trying to live it up. Is that the be all and end all of life? No, there has to be something more to life. Now this becomes a time for a person to sit and reflect, to ponder. And this pondering and reflection is meant to bring about a redirection. A direction now that is adopted for the correct destination. The destination of akhirat, the destination towards getting the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, getting the mercy and forgiveness of Allah Ta'ala. So this is what we should be doing in these Mubarak days, realigning our lives, bringing it onto the path of deen, on the way of the sunnah of Rasulullah and in this way gaining the pleasure of Allah. Ta'ala. In any case, coming to the subject at hand, this is the subject of a hadith sharif of Rasulullah where Nabi mentions five favours. Nabi says that appreciate these five favours, before they are replaced with five other conditions, with five opposite conditions. Every moment of our life, we are enjoying innumerable bounties and benefits and favors of Allah Ta'ala. There isn't a single moment that we are not using countless bounties of Allah Ta'ala. Sheikh Saadi Rahmatullahi he says that every breath that a person takes, every breath, Every breath requires two shukar. One is that if a person was not able to breathe, he couldn't take in that breath, then that would mean the end of his life. How long is he going to be able to survive? Somebody might be able to hold himself for 10 seconds, somebody 20 seconds, somebody half a minute, somebody one minute. Two minutes is too much. By the end of the third minute, the person will probably be unconscious. So if that breath could not be taken in, The person that will be the end of his life. So now he needs to make shukar that Allah allowed him to breathe. And then, if supposing he managed to breathe in but cannot exhale, cannot take it out, the carbon dioxide cannot come out, then that too will spell death. Now to be able to breathe in, what a favor. And then to be able to breathe out, what a favor. And now can anybody count for the duration of the day, how many breaths we take in? Every second we are breathing. So every second we are breathing, every minute 60 breaths, multiply that by 60 for every hour and multiply that for 24 hours, that will get the bare minimum of how much we are breathing. And all that oxygen and air for how much? For free. Allah made it free. Supposing we had to go and fill up that oxygen somewhere, like we go and fill up petrol in some garage and suddenly we pitch up there and they say that today the stock has run out. Oh, they say that the workers are on strike. There's no oxygen today. Allah made it free of charge. You don't have to go anywhere to fetch it also. This is only one bounty of the countless bounties of Allah. So if we really reflect, we cannot even fulfill the sugar of one bounty, let let alone all the bounties of Allah. That is why the peak and pinnacle of a mu'min's sugar is, that he expresses his inability to fulfill the right of sugar. Allahumma la uhsi thanaan alayk, antakama athnayta ala nafsik. Ya Allah, I cannot praise you sufficiently. You are as you have praised yourself. This expression of the inability to thank Allah ta'ala, this expression of his inability is the peak of his shukr. So, how many naamats of Allah ta'ala, what sugar have we made? The shukr of the eyes, what, what shukr we made? Allah forbid, the shukr in inverted command that we made is, we used it to look at all the wrong things. The shukr of the ears, what shukr we made of it? Allah forbid, we used it to listen to music, listening to ghibat, listening to vulgar talk, listening to all kinds of obscenity, listening to all kinds of vulgarity. Allah ta'ala save us and protect us. The great na'mat of the tongue, what shukr we made of this? That verbal expression of shukar also we haven't fulfilled. And instead of that, the tongue got used for ghibat, got used for lying, got used for obscenities, got used for deceiving somebody, got used for breaking somebody's heart by kind of, by speaking hurtful things, got used in so many ways to, instead of making to break, instead of uniting to divide. Now this is such a great na'mat, but this... Shukar in inverted commas we showed was all the na-shukri and all the ingratitude to Allah The shukar of the heart, this heart was meant for the love of Allah This heart was the house of the love of Allah But what we filled in this heart, we filled all the love of dunya Then we filled the love of haram Allah And all the illicit things came in the heart And all the filthy things were given space And unfortunately like how the flushing system in the toilet is used to flush all the filth away. Many a times we make our hearts the flushing system of the filth of the world. All the filth of the world through the media, and the social media, and the internet, and whatever else, that must flush through our hearts. And all the filth and vulgarity and obscenity and everything else, this heart which was meant for the love of Allah Ta'ala. This heart which was meant for the recognition and marifat of Allah Ta'ala. But... That heart is being given oh, the space of all the filth in that heart. Now what a tremendous ingratitude to Allah ta'ala this is. When there's a little bit of a, some little hiccup in that heart, in the function of that heart, and a person now has got some heart problem, some angina attack, ask them what it feels like. Then a person appreciates what is this Namath And it is pumping away thousands of liters are flowing through that all the time and because it's so effortless we now even the physical heart we don't make sugar, and the spiritual heart is totally destroyed so this is the opposite of what we should be doing now the first thing is to recognize these favors and when a person will recognize that these, these are all favors of Allah Ta'ala and these are just barely some things we have touched on what about all the other na'mats that we enjoy all the time the material benefits the na'mat of a family We have somebody around us. The ni'mat of people that give us company. The ni'mat of whatever things that we can do for ourselves, day-to-day life. A person wakes up in the morning, he can see, he can talk, he can walk, he can do his day-to-day things. Subhanallah, what a great ni'mat this is. So to recognize these as the great bounties of Allah Ta'ala, but then when we recognize the ni'mats, this should lead us to recognize the giver of the ni'mat. This didn't fall from nowhere. This didn't just come from just to the sky. This was given by some being. It was given by Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. So now to recognize Allah ta'ala. And when Allah ta'ala has been so beneficent upon us, so kind upon us, what does it require now? And somebody gave us a small little gift. People have gone for Hajj now. Somebody comes back with some kajur some zamzam. We feel so grateful. And somebody together with the kajur and zamzam, they brought some scarf along as well. Somebody brought something now we feel indebted to the person. And now, we, next time there is something we want to now call that person. There is a function in my house. This person brought a gift for me. so I have to invite him. We feel so indebted. For that one item, which was hardly worth much, but that one scarf, which was worth a few reals. we feel indebted. that we should be. We should be grateful, obviously. But Allah Allah blessed us everything. So now to recognize the giver, and what is the recognition that now we become obedient to Allah, that is the true shukar, that is the reality of gratitude and shukar, that now that turns into obedience, that turns into subservience to Allah, so now this is the hadith sharif of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, where Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam highlighted five particular ni'mads, five great bounties, among the many many and the countless bounties of Allah, but these are five bounties which encompass many things this is the crux of it and if we can truly appreciate these five bounties then the rest of it inshallah would become something very easy for us to be able to appreciate and to truly make shukr for it so in this hadith sharif nabi sallallahu addressed one person and he said to him that ightanim khamsan qabla khamsin that treasure five things before five other conditions come in his place Treasure five great bounties and na'ma ta'ala before they are replaced by the opposite of it. What are these five favors? The first thing that Nabi sallallahu says to the person is shababaka qabla harabik Appreciate your youth before old age comes. Now youth doesn't last forever. Many a person doesn't see beyond the youth also. Many a person is gone in their youth. And those who live beyond that, that, they will live beyond that, but the youth won't be there, the youth will be transformed into old age then. And when the old age comes, now that vigor, that strength, that drive that was there in one's youth, that is not possible anymore. Now the person has weakened, the person cannot do as much. So that time that was available, that time that was, it was possible to do much for the akhirat, it was possible to really serve Allah Dalla to do much for the deen of Allah Ta'ala. That time is gone now. So to treasure one's youth, this doesn't mean now that now a person treasures the youth to make the best of life in terms of billah haram. That is destroying youth. That's not treasuring it. Destroying youth is to use it in a way that will earn the displeasure of Allah Ta'ala. But treasuring that youth is to now dedicate that youth for Allah Ta'ala's pleasure. In the hadith Sharif, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says that they are Four categories of people who will be under the, seven categories of people who will be under the shade of the Arsh of Allah Ta'ala on the day of Qiyamah. That day when people will be drowning in their perspiration, because the sun will be just over their heads. And Allah Ta'ala will bless seven categories of people with the benefit of being in the shade of His Arsh, which will be a very, very great bounty of that day. And among these seven categories of people, what Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam explains, was azza That young person who has grown up in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala, in the worship of Allah Ta'ala, in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala. Now this is so beloved to Allah Ta'ala, that that time of a person's life, when all that strength was there, the vigor was there. Not only that, all the temptations were there. All the various temptations which were dragging and which were tugging in every direction which were appearing to seem that they will tear a person apart. He doesn't give to it. But in the midst of all this, this young person remains steadfast. This young person said, I am not wavering. Yes, there is a pain. There is some kind of striving and struggle that I have to undertake. There is a mujahada that is involved. My heart seems to be breaking. But if that breaks and it breaks for Allah Ta'ala's pleasure... No problem, but I won't break Allah Ta'ala's command. Now this young person who remained firm, who remained steadfast, who took the lesson of Qurbani. We are now presently in the days of Hajj, and now we are heading towards the great ibadat of Qurbani. And Inshallah, many of us will perhaps personally be performing the Qurbani. Obviously, if we are going to be personally performing the Qurbani, we should be very clear and very sure about it, that the laws of hijab etc. are not being compromised. So it's not correct that we are doing something mustahab and at the same time we are doing something haram side by side by compromising the laws of parada and intermingling with men that is haram and to personally slaughter the animal that is mustahab. So for a mustahab to undertake a haram that is not purposeable. So in any case, but the lesson of qurbani is what? Ibrahim was ordered to slaughter his son. We know the incident very well. And what was his reaction? His reaction was that I am ready. Ya Allah, your command, whatever it is, I have submitted. Ibrahim, is alayhi total submission to Allah. Ta'ala. So now when he submitted to Allah, Ta'ala, and not only he, now there was a young boy on the other end, of this youth we are talking about. There was this young boy. And what is this young boy being told? He is being told that you are going to be slaughtered. إِنِّي رَأَيْتُ فِي الْمَنَامِ أَذْبَحُكُ فَانْظُرْ that I have seen Ibrahim is saying to him I have seen in a dream that I am slaughtering you now he is a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala he knows this is not just a dream this is wahi and his son is also Ismail after all he is a boy who is going to grow up to become a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala he also knows his father is a Nabi his dream is wahi but what is he being told? This is going to happen now. This is going to physically be done. Now the father is just trying to prepare him mentally, because after all, it's a major thing, and there is no question about not fulfilling the command of Allah Taala, but just to prepare him mentally for it. So he puts it to him as a question: that what are you? What do you think about it? What do you feel? Now we are also young people. We are also faced with many many challenges we are faced with many situations we are faced with many temptations many desires when a person is being told you are going to be slaughtered can this be can there be any challenge that is greater that we ever face compared to this what challenge do we face imagine this being told to a person you're going to be slaughtered what if somebody is told that you're just going to be shot or something you're going to be slaughtered and then on top of that, so one is that challenge, at that time the temptation could be to run away, the temptation could be to start arguing the point, that what wrong did I do, did I commit some sin, am I guilty of murder, who did I hurt, why must my life be taken, if not an argument, then to start questioning the logic in it, that what sense does this make, Nauzubillah. and where is the logic in it? And I can't understand the reasoning in this. Now, all these things are things that will come to our mind. But Ismail what what is his response? His response in the face of all these challenges, in the face of whatever temptation might have come or could have come, in the face of all the desires to protect one's life. What was his response? Ya al ma tu'mar. My father, Whatever you have been commanded by Allah Ta'ala, it's Allah Ta'ala's command, go ahead. You go ahead and fulfil it. And I will cooperate. I'm not going to try to run away. I'm not going to try to save myself. I'm not going to try to make or I'm not going to make it difficult for you in any way. By now try to run away and jump around and No, I will cooperate. Satajiduni as-sabirin. You will find that I will be patient. I will patiently undergo this. Now, this is the lesson of youth. This is young boy giving us this lesson. What? That in the command of when the command of Allah Ta'ala comes, there will be challenges in that. That a person now, on the one side, his heart is tugging in a different direction. The heart, the temptation is pulling the heart to look at some haram. The temptation is pulling the heart to be typing an illicit message. The temptation is pulling the heart to get onto all the haram social media. The temptation is pulling the heart to listen to some music. It's pulling the heart to now make some rebat or to listen to ribath. To speak some lie, to go to some haram place, to get involved in some illicit chat. All these things now the heart is going to be tugging. But at the same time it's Allah Ta'ala's command. وَقُلْ لِلْمُؤْمِنَاتِ يَغْضُضْنَ مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِنْ And say to the believing woman that they must lower their gazes, that they must have haya and modesty and shame. They must never compromise their haya for anything. Unfortunately, there is a calculated effort to destroy the haya of the Muslims. Because the enemies have understood full well that this is the protection and if this protection is torn down, then there is no problem, then everything is easy. And this is what has happened in so many communities, Allah abut, that first the Hayah was torn down. The Haya was torn down by means of the media, the television and the whatever other media, the magazines and newspapers, all kinds of filthy things, filthy pictures, filthy articles, and now when people are reading this, people are looking at these things, there are all kinds of terrible haya-destroying scenes which the whole family is sitting jointly and watching. So what is the end result of that? The end result is that haya becomes torn down. Haya is torn down. And when haya is torn down, then it's like a car that can move at a tremendous speed. But the brakes have been removed. Now the potential is there for the car to Drive at 200 kilometers an hour. So now, with that, the potential is there. At some stage, it's going to drive at 100, drive at 120, maybe 150. Sometimes it'll hit 200 too. But even if it's driving at 100, if it's driving at 50 kilometers also, but it has to stop from time to time. But this car has got no brakes. So though the potential is 200 kilometers, it's going at 50 kilometers an hour too. But if there's no brakes, what's going to happen? It's going to crash. So likewise this insan he has naturally various feelings various desires his insan Allah taala created him with that. Allah taala created him with the breaks of haya that look when the eyes are going to be tempted to look in some direction haya must bring the eyes low when the heart is going to be tempted to talk to some get into some illicit chat then haya must hold that hand back When the heart is going to be tempted to listen to some wrong, then Haya must keep the ears close to it. And likewise when the person is being tempted to go to some haram place, to go and meet somebody in a haram way, and whatever else carries on Allah forbid, or to dress in a haram way, to dress in an immoral manner, unfortunately these definitions change with the passing of time. In this time and age, if somebody has to be asked what is immoral, so one person was giving a synopsis of this, that turn it around the other way and ask somebody in certain communities, ask a woman what is modesty. So she will now explain what is modesty in her context now and her definition of modesty will be, it was wear a scarf, but that is it, wear a scarf, the hair is uh, sticking out from every direction. And together with that, as long as she's wearing a scarf and she's wearing a knee-length dress, and even if she doesn't have an izar, a pants, then too she's very modest. Why? Because she's wearing a scarf on her head, and she's got a knee-length dress. And now she's walking around down the street in that manner, in her context and in her definition she's very modest. There are many communities like this in the world. Now that is the definition how it has been distorted. Likewise, when we talk about immoral dressing, the whole definition of what is immoral has become distorted. What many a person nowadays will regard as what we will, the word that is often just used to describe many things, that's okay, it's okay, it's fine. What we will call okay, if we had to take it, let alone taking it all the way back to the Sahabiats, because they might get an immediate heart attack if they were alive, they would get an immediate heart attack and pass away. Let alone taking it so far back, if we just take it maybe a few generations up, to our grandparents or maybe great-grandparents, just up there, if they had to just suddenly come alive to see how everything going, and they see how their granddaughters are dressed, they too would get a heart attack and go back where they came from. Because the whole dif- and whereas the granddaughter is going to be asked, she say, "No, oh, this is very good, this is fine. Why? Because with passing of time, the Haya has dropped. So the whole standard of Haya has been compromised to such an extent that what is immoral has become regarded as fine. What is very immoral, that is regarded as little bit bad. And what is good, that is regarded as outdated. That is regarded as out of style. If somebody dresses truly modestly, like how our grandmother's dress for example, if somebody dresses truly modestly today, then somebody will probably taunt her, that you are looking like my great granny's elder sister. So now this will be the kind of taunt you will hear. But what has happened, it is the standard of Haya that has gone really low, as a result of which everything is now being looked at in a different eye from the western concept, in the western style. So what we are talking about is, we digressed on this topic, that Allah has given this inbuilt brakes in this insan. This aspect of Haya. And this Haya is the brakes that will protect this car from crashing everywhere. Now when this Haya has been taken out, let alone the full potential of 200 kilometers, 50 kilometers is very dangerous because it can't stop. Now the brakes have been taken out. Haya is gone. So now the slightest thing, the slightest temptation and the person has been swept away. The person was now checking something on the phone. Many people write up and they... They say, well, I was just gone to check something... Something, whatever, totally innocent. And something else just flashed on the screen. And before I knew it, I was gone. Before I knew it, I was swept away. And then the next thing... I, one thing led to another. And I got caught up in one haram after the other. Now the person's marriage is on the rocks. The person's whole izzat is down the drain. And what not happens? Iman has already been affected tremendously... And the person's haya and Akhlaq is gone, and everything is now on the brink of collapse. But that haya, had it been to the peak, to start off with, a person will avoid very very dangerous situations. The person won't go into muddy terrain because in muddy terrain even an elephant can slip. The person will stay far away. So that would be the precaution the person will take. So in any case. The issue is this Haya has to be guarded very jealously, and very very well, keeping out all the things that destroy Haya, keeping it out of our lives, keeping it out of our homes and looking after the Haya of our children, the Haya of our daughters and sons, the Haya of ourselves, our families. So this youth that Allah has blessed, now this person in her youth she is restraining herself that come what may, whatever temptation comes, my heart breaks I am ready to break it. Like Ismail salatu wasalam, was ready to be slaughtered, But he said, I won't allow the command of Allah ta'ala to be left aside. Doesn't matter my throat gets cut, my life gets I, my life is gone, but Allah's command must be upheld. So likewise, this young person is saying my heart breaks, let it break. But Allah's command mustn't break. Allah ta'ala loves this tremendously. Now a person who has lived their youth in this way, then the rest of life, inshallah, will be an even better situation. And Allah forbid something happened in the past, it's never too late, all we need to do is turn sincerely to Allah Ta'ala, in sincere Tawbah, istighfar, with a firm commitment for the way forward, and inshallah, Allah Ta'ala, out of His grace and mercy, will forgive us. So the first thing is this aspect of youth, looking after this youth, being very conscious of how we conduct ourselves, how we, what we do, where we go, these are all the things that affect us. The very crucial thing is our company, the company either will make one or break one. The person is in pious company, good company, company that is inclined towards righteousness, then this will rub off. And a person is in company of people who are all sitting with their phones, all here and there, people who are talking about only things which lead towards sin. People are discussing who their contacts are nowadays and what they've got on so-called instagram allah forbid all these all these tools of fitna the facebook and all the other social media the facebook is actually de-Facebook. people actually deface themselves on this and they disgrace themselves but this is the the way shaitan works that shaitan makes a person first lose his thinking and then makes him do things which are absurd and then makes him proud over, over his absurdity. He feels very happy about it. Now this is like that incident, one person went to uh, live in some place and everybody there, he found a very strange thing. It's a story with the, just for the moral. Everybody's nose was chopped at the tip of the nose was chopped. Now what a fun kind of thing it looks like. Everybody, the person's nose is chopped at the tip. Very strange, very ajeeb and disfiguring the person. But now everybody was like that, one person came with a normal nose. So they all started laughing at him. And now, eventually, he couldn't take it anymore. So he went and clipped his nose off also. Now he's feeling normal now. Before he was feeling uncomfortable. Everybody else is laughing at him. So he went and chopped his no- nose off. Now he's feeling happy. Now this is the height of stupidity. It's the height of foolishness. But he's, hap- he's happy over his foolishness. So likewise, Shaitan makes a person do s- absurd things. Foolish things. And then he makes him proud over his foolishness. One person wrote one small article just for the probably giving people a lesson. So He said, I'm trying to live my life like Facebook. Not on Facebook, but I'm trying to live real life like on Facebook. So what is that meaning? He says, well, every evening I'm going around to the neighbors. I'm telling them what I did for the day, what I ate, and I'm showing them pictures of my dog and my cat and uh, the argument I had with my wife, I'm mentioning that to them, then I'm standing on the road and telling passers by. So he says, Well, now I got some followers also. I got two private detectives following me and one psychiatrist. Now the detectives are trying to find out is this fellow what he's up to? There's some security problem, and the psychiatrist is saying that there's some mental problem here. So now this is the end result of trying to live a person's life like on Facebook. But the person who's not on Facebook today, people regard him as something wrong with him. What? You're not on Facebook? Where's your face? You can't show your face to people now because you're on Facebook. Now this is the absurdity. That the person who is normal is regarded as abnormal. And the abnormality becomes a norm. Now, in the youth of a person all these challenges come. But there is that young person who says like Ismail is alayhi my heart breaks, it breaks for Allah, Taala. doesn't matter. But I won't break Allah's command. I won't compromise the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I want his shafat and intercession on the day of Tiamat. Allah's Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam talk of me at every juncture. Once Hazrat Aisha Siddiha Taala anha, she sees Nabi sallallahu wa in a very happy mood. And she was, after all, a woman also, and like any woman, she sees the husband in a happy mood, so she says that feels that this is the time to ask. Many a woman sees the husband in the right mood. So, that's the time now to ask for that appliance or to ask for that whatever garment or something. So, she also saw Nabi Salaam in a very good mood. He was always obviously the height of akhlaq but he was very cheerful that day. So, she asked for something. And what did she ask for? She didn't ask for the things of dunya. She knew better. She asked, Ya, ya Nabi Allah, make dua for me. She knew the value of dua. We knew the va- we know the value of the material things. We know the value of all the accessories and appliances. And then those things are fine. That it still helps a person. Then we know the value of all the adornments. And let alone all these things. And even crossing the line of halal. Even the haram things. So we know the value of all these things. Whereas much of it is destruction. There is no value in it. Aisha radiallahu knew the value of dua. So she asked Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi for dua. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi made dua for her. Allahumma Aisha ma taqaddama min zambiha wa ma ta'akhar wa ma asarrat wa Oh Allah, forgive all the shortcomings of Aisha. Whatever might have happened in the past or in the future, openly, secretly, not that there was anything, but this was a dua after all. Dua should make. So Aisha Aisha knew the value of dua. And when she heard this dua, nowadays if somebody gives us dua, we say Jazakallah, Amin, And then what next? So you give dua, fine. But what next? Our parents or somebody gives us dua. Very good, Jazakallah. But now something else. One friend, whenever we should go and meet him. So others to convey some salams to him. So he go give him the salams. So he say, Waalaikum salam. He says, and after that. So what do you mean after that? He see, you brought the light thing and came the salam. What about something heavy to carry and take also? So now likewise we the dua we say amin but the appreciation for the dua is not as much as the appreciation for some material thing as aisha heard this dua she became so overjoyed she could not contain herself she became so overwhelmed and overjoyed with this dua that her head came down into her lap she was overcome with happiness nabi sallallahu alaihi Wasallam observed this and he asked her ayasurruki dua ya aisha has my dua made you happy? Does it make you happy, O Aisha? She replied, yes. Subhanallah, the dua of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, who won't become happy? Nabi Sallallahu then said to her, that, O Aisha, inna la da'wati li ummati ba'da kulli that this is the dua I make for my ummah after every salah. The ummah, you and I, we, our families, our children, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was making dua for us. Nabi Islam was crying for us. And how are we responding to all his du'as and his crying and his tears and the efforts he made and the hardships he undertook and whatever difficulties he saw his family go through, his sahaba go through and he tolerated all that and continued to make du'a for his ummah. What is our response today? That we are with both arms taking the ways of the Yahud and Nasara and we are abandoning the Mubarak way of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. What a tremendous this service this is to the to Rasulullah wasallam. what a great ingratitude to him for all the efforts he made, all the tears he shed for us. Now this is the time to make a decision in our lives, that we are going to be taking the sunnah of Nabi wasallam wholeheartedly, and we are going to be latching on to this, and nothing must come in the way, and we must now make our lives completely on the pattern of Rasulullah wasallam. So this is the first aspect that was mentioned in this hadith sharif. That that treasure and value your youth before your old age. Then the second thing Nabi Salah mentioned was Sihataka. Treasure your health before illness. Health is a very great Namath of Allah Ta'ala. Like youth, in health, a person can do many things. Person becomes ill, now it's very difficult. Allah Ta'ala's mercy is such that when a person has looked after his health and used it correctly. Uh, using it correctly, he exerted himself in ibadat, in remembering Allah Ta'ala, in making tilawat, at least some portion of the Qur'an Sharif daily we should recite. How many things we read. We read so many letters and words, Allah forbid, which are futile, which are haram. Whole long articles which are destructive and social media and whatnot. but if we don't have the time for what's up and what's not, but we don't have the time for Qur'an Sharif. So this is a very, very major disservice to the Qur'an Sharif, a very great ingratitude to Allah for this great na'mat. There should be time for Qur'an Sharif daily. Time for tasbihat and zikr of Allah daily. There should be time for ta'aleem in our homes daily. So, in a person's youth, the person used that youth to make ibadat, to help people, to be of service to others. Many good things a person could do. So now the time sometimes comes when illness takes over, when old age takes over. Allah Taala's grace is such that if a person was doing many amal regularly and constantly in one's old age, in one's youth, in one's good days of health, and now this is not possible to continue because of illness, it's not con- possible to continue because of old age. Allah Taala allows this reward for it to be continued to be written without that amal being be- taking place. Person used to perform tahajjud every night, and now, due to illness, the person cannot. Without the tahajjud, the tahajjud reward is being written. Without that nafir salah is being written. Without that five paras or three paras, the person was reciting. Now, due to the illness, only quarter para the person could read that day. The person got the reward of the five paras, which was a general practice. So, this is the value of the health, that we should look after the health, and a very important part of looking after the health is that we eat what is correct. One is to eat what is halal, not to compromise on halal in any way. And just for the sake of some taste, to just eat without any kind of care from anywhere, just buy anything from anywhere, that is something to be very, very cautious about. One person was traveling through the free state many years ago, and he stopped by one shop. So when he stopped by, there was one, it was a takeaway or something. So he wanted to buy perhaps just some cold drink or something from there. When he got there, there's one big halal sign, Arabic writing. And he sees one Africaner is there, and this halal sign here. So he asked that person, What is this? And he just pretended not to even know, perhaps. He asked him, What is this? So that person told him, No, it's a lucky charm. So, what do you mean, lucky charm? He said, No, somebody told me you put this in your shop, you'll get more business. So I see a lot of people now stopping by, they're buying. So, this is the lucky charm. Now He doesn't even know what it is. Now, because the big word halal is there, people are not even asking, they're not even concerned, they're stopping and buying. Now, this is the way that sometimes we conduct ourselves, in terms of halal, haram, whereas when haram goes into the body, then it creates haram thoughts, because the body is nourished with this haram, so it creates haram thoughts, because the blood that is nourished from this haram food, this blood carries through all the organs, it creates haram thoughts, and haram thoughts demand haram actions and then one thing leads to another. So we eat what is halal and tayyib, and then we eat what is healthy, in moderation. So this is the thing about looking after one's health. Then the third thing Nabi Islam said, وَغِنَاكَ قَبْلَ That treasure wealth before poverty comes. That the wealth is not something to be squandered. it is something to be used, Allah Ta'ala has blessed somebody with halal wealth, Allah Ta'ala hasn't made it impermissible to enjoy the comforts and bounties. That Allah, Allah blesses one with. Alhamdulillah, somebody has bought halal na'mads with halal wealth. That's a na'mad, obviously. Make sugar upon it. It should not become a source of pride. It should not become a source of boasting with anybody. Use it in a correct way. Enjoy it. Make sugar. Alhamdulillah, no problem. But together with that, share with those who don't have. Use some of that wealth in helping the indigent, in the, helping the poor, helping the cause of deen supporting people in their righteous endeavors, then this will become a means of even good in dunya and earning the akhirah as well. But if a person starts using this wealth to boast with it, to show off, this is how we did our son's wedding, our daughter's wedding, in this style nobody could match us and the wastage that goes in it, hundreds of thousands of rands spent in deco, perhaps these things don't happen here, inshallah it doesn't happen here. But back in Durban, unfortunately, these are things that have become very rife, that in one-one wedding, sometimes 100,000, 200,000 is spent just on deco, which will all be just torn down and thrown away, nothing nothing to be salvaged out of it also. For what? Just for a name, just to create an impression, just to make it something that people will have something to talk about. Now, This is a wastage of the wealth and the na'mat of Allah Ta'ala. And then on top of that, spending on haram, nowadays what not we get to hear about, that in weddings there is now music being playing, in leather on music there is dancing taking place, and then this is then published and, and, and videoed for everybody to see it, so this becomes an open sin, a sin being advertised on top of it, and this is something which is extremely dangerous, it invites the wrath of Allah, we are suffering drought, and we are suffering various conditions, but we should reflect, the same reflection. That our actions bringing it down so this wealth is a very great blessing from Allah Ta'ala. and Nabi Islam is saying that treasure it before the opposite comes we should never ask for tests Allah Ta'ala protect us, Allah Ta'ala protect the life, the imam, the life, the health, the wealth of every mu'min the property and belongings of every mu'min but at the same time we should not be unmindful we should take a lesson from others there are many people living in neighboring countries who were super rich. They were owning high-rise buildings. Maybe not them themselves, their fathers or grandfathers. They were owning high-rise buildings, multi-story, maybe 15-20-story buildings. They had so much of money they couldn't count. And Allah Ta'ala protect us. Overnight the revolution came. When the revolution came, people walked over, woke up the next morning. They didn't know what happened overnight. They woke up the next morning to go to work. The army was standing around. Where's the key? You own this. You no more own it. Where's the keys? Bring the keys here. If you want to be employed here, you can come. Otherwise, you can carry on. The person had to hand over the keys and move away. And then the currency changed overnight. Whatever people had kept away here and there, they had to take it out and burn it with their own hands. Because that became a problem now. If that was, they were caught with it, that would have been a major crime imagine overnight what happened so these are conditions that the world has seen, Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us, there was one person who I met from Burma, who was originally from Burma, living in India and his family had to flee from Burma, they were people who were very very wealthy and overnight they had to flee from Burma with just the things that they were wearing, what they could put in their pockets, they couldn't take anything along Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us but this is the thing Nabi Salaam is saying to us that treasure your wealth, use it correctly, use it in a way that is permissible, enjoy it no problem, help others with it also, share it with others, in this way you will benefit, and you will get the benefit of helping others as well. And then the fourth thing Nabi Salaam mentions, شولك, that treasure the time that is available, which is not preoccupied, what we call free time. Time is not free. There is never a time that is for free. This time is very valuable. Free normally something worthless is called free. It's for free, you can take it. But time is not for free. Time is a very valuable asset. It's for free in the sense that we didn't pay for it. But once it's lost, it's lost. And this time is to be when a person is able to do things. Allah forbid. sometimes, can we commit can we think about people in Syria, for example, under the halat and conditions they are in. People in so many African countries, people in Afghanistan, people in so many other places. When the halad came and they got so preoccupied, people are sitting in their homes now, wondering tomorrow morning, where are we going to be able to buy just maybe a few slices of bread. Now, this became such a preoccupation. That little medication we need for our child, where to get it from? They became preoccupied with the condition that overcame them. That the most mundane things, the most minor things, which people just take for granted, they don't give it a second thought. It became a, a, an issue for broad consultation, for making phone calls or trying to, if you can't make a call to find out who and where will be able to get this one baby little painkiller. Can we imagine those conditions? Now, Farahak refers to a time when Allah has saved one from that kind of situation. He is not preoccupied by the conditions that have overcome him. Nabi Salaam is saying, appreciate that time. Use that time in a way that is constructive. Use it to get closer to Allah. Before such a time comes, when you can't do anything, a person is so caught up with day-to-day situations, that he can't think of anything. He even forgets the most essential thing sometimes. So this is something also to be very conscious about. And the last thing that Nabi Salaam says, موتك, That treasure your life before death comes. When death will come, we have no idea. We have no guarantee for tonight. We have no guarantee for tomorrow. And sooner or later everybody is going to have to leave. Before that time comes, we have to make our akhirat. This life is our capital. How we use this capital, that is the rewards and the returns we'll get, even in dunya and in the hereafter as well. Allah tabarak wa Ta'ala give us a topic that we can appreciate these very great days and nights that we have been blessed with and the thing that was discussed right at the beginning to reflect, to ponder about what was discussed and how this applies to me, what changes I need to make, what efforts I need to make, what how I need to now progress. I'm going to start talim in my home, I'm going to start changing certain things in my life, I'm going to start adopting things that I need to be bringing in and in this way with that deep reflection inshallah. Daily for a minute or two, we'll see what a difference it will make for us. Allah Taala, give us all the taufiq. Wa aakhiru da'wana anil hamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Allahumma
0: lakal hamdu kullu wa lakal shukr kullu. Allahumma la nusithana analeek. Anta kama athnita 'ala ala nafsik. الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم
1: بما هو رَبَّنَا هَبْ لَنَا مِنْ أَزْوَاجِنَا وَذُرِّيَّاتِنَا
0: قُرَّةَ أَعْيُنٍ وَاجْعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ إِمَامًا رَبَّنَا اغْفِرْ لَنَا ذُنُوبَنَا وَكَفِّرْ عَنَّا سَيِّئَاتِنَا وَتَوَفَّنَا مَعَ الْأَبْرَارِ رَبَّنَا وَآتِنَا مَا وَعَدتَّنَا عَلَى رُسُلِكَ وَلَا تُخْزِنَا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ إِنَّكَ لَا تُخْفُ
1: الميعاد اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير
0: خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وسهب الجمعين والحمد لله